change your mindset. Stop counting on luck. Waiting for a lucky streak is every salesperson's weakness. Start treating sales like a game by envisioning your sales pipeline like a poker hand. Welcome to the Food for Thought Lunch Break with Steve Bookbinder podcast, the show that gives you things to think about when you're trying to make more sales without all the seriousness of conventional sales talks. Enjoy and learn as he makes fun of sales training, salespeople, and sales trainers, including himself, all while giving you battle-tested strategies that work. Now, here's your host, Steve Bookbinder. Hey, thanks for joining me on your break. I'm always looking for ways to get more sales easier. Turning your break into a coaching break is a great way for me to help you get more sales easier, too. I grew up playing games with and against my best friend and arch enemy, Greg. To us, everything was a game, and we were both equally determined to win. As a result, we applied a game-thinking perspective to everything we did. I still do that. Our desire to beat the other person made us surprisingly unbeatable when Greg and I played together as a two-person basketball team. We'd become hyper-aware of each other's strengths and weaknesses until we always knew where the other person was going to move to and which shots they could make. We made that our winning strategy. The other teams, most were taller, most with superior basketball skills, would double-team whichever of us had the ball, assuming they'd easily block our shots or steal the ball. We could escape their traps with no-look passes to the other person, and we'd deliver the ball to a spot from which we knew the other could make the shot. Our game-thinking perspective enabled us to figure out the secret to winning any game, even if the other person has more skills. The trick? Don't focus on winning. Instead, focus on not losing. Anticipate problems that'll force you to play to your weakness. Instead, use creativity to change the starting point of the game so you can keep leveraging your strengths while minimizing your weaknesses until you can figure out how to optimize them. I now bring that same game thinking to the game of sales. I have a friend who says to me that he plays golf. He says some people work golf, but he plays golf. He has more fun doing it that way. And in that same sense, if you think about sales, to work sales, spend all of your time focused on the short game, making the goal this month and this quarter, and again next month and next quarter. But to play sales, focus on the true end game, which is to change the way you play so that next year, some of your sales will be easier to close than this year's sales, the short game and the long game. How? Plant seeds each week for easier sales next year. Recognize that every salesperson's weakness is relying on sales that are stuck due to a delayed decision. Anticipate how few moves are left once that happens. Sales players hate getting stuck. They're like expert business travelers who never have to sleep at the airport because they keep moving to a new airport. Sales players keep changing their starting point. 
by moving on to new sales, looking for which are ready to move forward, and minimizing their time with the rest. Until then, they keep finding new people to talk to so they can leverage their biggest strength, developing positive first impressions. They schedule brainstorming time each week to prepare, which puts every seller in a stronger position. They use that time to think of ever better ways of positioning their offering to new people and repositioning their offer to people who they already know. The benefit of applying game thinking to sales is it gets you to pay attention to the six most important lessons about winning we learn from playing games. In today's coaching session, we will explore six lessons applied to sales. I'll suggest four things you could do this week to begin implementing these ideas and wrap up by connecting game thinking to next week's topic. As always, let's kick off our discussion with today's question. How can you give yourself more sales by dealing yourself more winning hands? Let me give you the short answer first. Change your mindset. Stop counting on luck. Waiting for a lucky streak is every salesperson's weakness. Start treating sales like a game by envisioning your sales pipeline like a poker hand. Out of the inbound leads you're dealt this month is the short game. When you play the short game, you need everything to close. Sales workers often double down on their current hand until the end of the month when they're out of moves. Then they try to bluff their manager with a forecast that suggests their hand is better than it is. Well, a safer bet is the long game, where you anticipate that some sure bets will suffer decision delay. That mindset shifts your attention to three critical questions that lead to more sales and more accurate forecasts. The first question, all critical questions, all you need to ask yourself, what percentage of your sure bets don't close each month? The reason I want you to ask yourself that question is because when you uh, uh, answer it as my question, you get defensive. You go, well, if I really think something is going to close, it, it generally closes. I'm not asking, does it eventually close? Does it someday close? I'm asking, does it close when you think it's going to close? The sales that you think are going to close this month that you predict to close this month, how often is that the case? And you just want to know what that percentage is. The second is looking back on it. Now that we know which ones didn't close, we look back at the last three, six months. Which ones along the way did we predict were going to close and may or may not have eventually closed, but didn't close that month? The second question is what were the tells? That is, the subtle signs revealing the hidden danger of decision delays. We eventually learned, like a movie, we eventually learned by the end of the movie that the decision was delayed. But could we have picked that up sooner? And that leads to question C. At what point should I have seen those tells? And probably you didn't see the tells because you didn't ask the right questions or suggest the right actions that would have gotten a reaction that would have gotten them to reveal the decision delay. For example, if you said to them, you know, I, I, you, you present a compelling reason why the uh, contract has to be signed in writing today, all of a sudden they would go, well, no, actually, we'd love to do business with you, We're, but we can't do it today. And you go, well, why not? Well, you see, you know, it would be one of those, and that would lead to the your learning who to spend more time with and who to reduce your time with. Anyway, there are six lessons about making more sales easier that I've learned from seeing sales as a game. 
The first, which you will recognize immediately if you already like playing games, is that you can have fun playing. Salespeople who aren't having fun aren't playing it right. Customers sense that and instinctively don't want to play with those salespeople. I don't blame them. Making their days, making the salespeople's days even less fun. Nobody wants to play with them. What a horrible day. The second advantage to viewing your sales job as a game is that it forces you to focus on the outcomes more than the actions. Outcomes change when you change your opening and closing moves. Game players start right when they focus on their initial moves, their starting position, their basic grip. The equivalent for sales players is preparation, which changes the swing of your sales conversations. Sales players who are playing the long game have more closing moves, including concession, where you walk away from a deal until a better time, which can set you up for success later in the game. The third advantage of viewing your job as a game is it reminds us to react strategically to obstacles instead of emotionally, which is the default reaction of salespeople who are working sales rather than playing sales. For example, sending a follow-up email to a person who annoyed you by ignoring your first email is an opportunity to begin again differently. This time, try to educate and engage before attempting to convert. That approach, which takes more patience, will pay off better than a quickly composed email that questions why the person ignored your first email. An example of an emotional follow-up email that expresses the salesperson's frustration without encouraging the customer to engage is one that includes the line, a simple reply would be appreciated. And by the way, if you were to argue that, well, that's not the way I intended that line to be read, that is how a customer will read that line. Or at least that's how you have to assume that's the case. Let's have more fun. Let's not include that line. The fourth advantage the sales player enjoys over the sales worker is a heightened awareness of how the smallest changes can make a big difference in the short term and the long run. This encourages you to find a new way to ask the same question. For example, asking, can you tell me the buying process is aspirationally the right question, but you may get a much more useful answer if you change the wording to, can you tell me how you've bought this kind of service or offer or product or solution in the past? Sales players are always tweaking their word choices. In comparison, sales workers are on autopilot. Their questions don't change, and the answers they get don't get progressively more helpful. Once you observe the value of those small improvements, the fifth thing you'll realize is you could get better and better at playing. You can't change the market. Often you can't change your territory, but you can create a winning streak by being your own coach, where you focus on tweaking your word choice and time management and being your own cheerleader by studying the right sales metrics. Nothing is more energizing and encouraging than finding measurable improvements. Which brings us to the most important sixth thing, which non-serious game players often miss. Most games look like luck until you realize that you make your own luck by the way you play.
Okay, let's summarize. Sales is more fun when we play to keep improving, which happens when you anticipate, prepare, and measure. Be your own coach who keeps you honest with yourself about your own starting position, that is, your own strengths. Be your own cheerleader so you can optimize your weaknesses. Keep your eye on the end game, which is to make next year even more successful than this year. When you do, you will create a winning streak that can last your whole career. Here are four actions you can take this week. One, make a list of your own strengths and weaknesses. Now, this is the hardest part. Be honest with yourself. Two, find a metric to measure improvement of one of your weaknesses. For example, if you struggle getting customers to commit to next steps, measure your current ratio of first meetings to scheduled next steps. The worse the ratio is, the easier it'll be to find ways to improve it. Three, add a self-coaching meeting with yourself each week to your calendar or diary, even if it's only a 10-minute meeting or a 15-minute meeting. Don't make it so long you'll skip it. Use your time to study your own metrics. Prepare for this week's meeting and create one action that will help you close a big sale next week. And four, add one more meeting to your calendar or diary for next week's coaching session. Next week, we'll discuss selling in a digital world, which is the world your customers have moved to. I'm Steve Bookbinder, your sales coach. Thanks for sharing your break with me. Please check out our training specials for individuals and teams on our website, dmtraining.net. Also, please connect with me on LinkedIn, send an email or email to steve at dmtraining.net if I can help you and your team make more sales easier too. Thank you for listening to Food for Thought. To get your free sales playbook, visit dmtraining.net forward slash podcast. And be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss any of Steve's jokes and helpful resources. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you next week.